Welcome to Up, the Union podcast. My name is Dan Hames, and for the next five episodes, I'll be speaking with the Reverend Dr. Graham Tomlin. He is a writer, a speaker, and principal of St. Melitus College in London. Graham, let's talk about Martin Luther. What was Luther's spiritual background, and how did he change later in his life? Mm. Well, Luther grew up in a, in some ways, a sort of fairly um, kind of middle of the road, middle class background in some ways. I mean, his father was a um sometimes it said his father was a miner in fact he wasn't a miner he was a sort of mine owner um so he was reasonably well off um although not aristocratic um he had a fairly sort of peripatetic childhood moved around from various places so in some ways a fairly sort of standard you know early 16th century sort of german upbringing he was always very conscious of being very german in a sense a sort of man of the soil um with um family in uh, you know scattered across saxony um, but in terms of his, his spiritual background, I, mean, I guess there are there are maybe sort of a number of factors that are quite key for him. Um, I mean, one is his monastic background, because um, uh, of course he became a a friar. He became a um, uh, an Augustinian friar after an experience he had in 1505 when he um, it seems that he was going through a period of of anxiety about his own salvation which is not uncommon i mean a lot of people had the same sort of fear you know how do i know if i'm if i'm one of the elect how do i know if if, if god is you know on my side you know how do i know if if i'm if i can be saved and um these these were questions that were going on in luther's mind as they did in many um sensitive religious um young people at the time and um uh, he, he was on his way back to his family back in um uh, in a place called Mansfeld and was heading back to the university where he was studying in Erfurt and going near a village in, in called Schottenheim. He went through a sort of uh, thunderstorm. It was in July of 1505 and uh, a kind of bolt of lightning hit the ground very near him and he um, was terrified and cried out, oh, help me, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything. And he prayed, actually, St. Anne, help me, I'll become a monk, I'll do anything. And um, anyway, he survived the experience, went back into Erfurt very shaken and decided to actually fulfill his vow, even though his friends said, you know, don't worry about it, you know, so moment of panic he felt he ought to do that and so he entered the, the, the monastery and therefore um being a, an augustinian friar was a, a, a crucial part of his spiritual background because it meant from that time onwards he was steeped in the the psalms because of course in the monastery you would say the psalms all 150 psalms every week um a spirituality of confession um confessing every minute detail of sin that was in his own life um so it was a kind of spirituality that was deeply rooted in scripture and the, and the saying of the psalms uh, and the hearing of scripture in the monastic hours of the church of the uh, the monastery um but also this this um kind of spirituality of of self-examination self um, self-accusation if you like he was you know he was uh, he became very uh, very well aware of many of the monastic authors like um bernard of clairvaux for, for for example he was quite an important influence on him in the early days so i mean that's one crucial part of his background his his um background as a as a as a monk um the second thing i think is his background as an academic because uh during his time in in the monastery he quite was quickly recognized as being sort of intelligent bright um student and was um, uh, kind of identified as a, uh, a future academic. He um, um, he was ordained priest in 1507, uh, and eventually moved to um, to 
uh, Wittenberg University, which is a new university set up by uh, Frederick the Wise, the um, Elector of Saxony, and uh, he did that in 1511. So, and he started at that point to to um, his job was as professor of Holy Scripture in the University of Wittenberg, and his job was basically to expand the Bible. And he started with the Psalms. He moved on to books like Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, and that was basically his his job to teach the scriptures in in Wittenberg. And so that was, again, an important part of his spiritual background, um, the reading of and reflection of on scripture for the sake of the church. Um, and I guess the third part of his background, which is quite important to understand, is his sort of, you know, the kind of academic background in which he, he grew up. It seems that he was taught not so much within a, a kind of humanist, in other words, Renaissance humanist background, but within a form of late medieval scholastic theology um, known as the Via Moderna, the, the, the modern way, which is a kind of um, uh, not so much the old way of, of Thomas Aquinas and the, and the, uh, the older scholastics, but um, the late medieval nominalist uh, tradition of people like Gabriel Beale and, um, uh, and others like that. And that, that was a, a, um, a type of theology and um, particularly soteriology, in other words, a doctrine of salvation that taught him that, uh, well, you, you, you do what lies within you. The quad in sayest was the Latin phrase. You, you do what you can, and then God will respond with his grace and his help to enable you to produce works that are properly meritorious. And that was basically what Luther believed about salvation. Now, when you think about what changed, I think um, uh, eventually he came out of the monastery. And he felt the monastic vows uh, were human vows. They weren't binding. And he uh, stopped being a monk eventually. He, he got married, um, which was doubly problematic because he was both a monk and a priest at the time. You weren't supposed to marry if you were either of those two things. Um, so he left the monastery eventually. Uh, he remained an academic. That didn't change. He, his calling to be a doctor of the church, which he took very seriously, was uh, was always on his life. And he always felt that was very important. Um, but he did change his theological um, understanding. Um, and I think that grew out of his monastic background, this, this sort of... Uh, um, this uh, sort of self-examination was part of that. Uh, he was someone who was very self-aware, self-aware of his own sins and wondering how to deal with that. Um, and I guess the question that, that was on him was, you know, how do I know that God is good towards me? How do I find a gracious God? That's the classic Luther question. And um, the traditional answer was, uh, well, if you do what lies within you, as he'd been taught by the Via Moderna, if you did your best, then God would give you his grace and help you to provide to, to perform works that are meritorious. In other words, to become holy, uh, that ultimately God will justify you because you have gone through this process whereby you have become holy through the performance of religious works uh, and so on over time, not just at the end of this life, but after purgatory and everything else uh, after this life is over. And I think the big difference that Luther breaks through to in his great Reformation breakthrough is a realization that actually uh, we are justified, not actually on the basis of our own merits, in other words, our own holiness, our own growth in sanctification, our own goodness and so on, but we are justified on the basis of the merits of Christ and that Christ is given to us and it's his merits, his righteousness that justify us, not not our own. And that was for him a completely new understanding. It was a, a breakthrough. Well, it was new. I mean, he felt it was an old understanding, something that had been forgotten in the church for many years. But I think that's the core of the, the change um, for Luther, that we are justified not on the basis of our own merits, our own goodness, our own holiness, however acquired, however helped by God's grace, but no instead on the merits of Christ himself. Yeah. Thank you, Graham. 
Next time we'll be hearing about Luther's early theological development, so make sure you join us again on Up the Union podcast. (laughs) 